Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I am your host, Amelia Hamilton. I am so excited to be back. When we left off, we had talked about all of the different colonies in America and how they came to be. Then we talked about what life was like in the colonies. Now we're going to start digging into all of the reasons that the American colonists decided maybe it was time to become free from Great Britain. So this week, we're going to talk about the French and Indian War. It's really important in American history, but sometimes gets totally overlooked. So let's jump right in and meet our first guest for this week. My name is Violet, and I'm nine years old, and I live in Indiana. Now let's see what Violet's questions are about the French and Indian War. How did the French and Indian War start? What was New France? How many people died in the French and Indian War? The French and Indian War went from 1754 to 1763 in what is now the United States and Canada. The name is a little bit confusing because the French and Indian War sounds like maybe it was the French versus the Indians or the French and the Indians versus somebody else, but really it was the French with their Indian allies or friends versus the British and their colonist and Indian allies. So that name can be pretty confusing. And really the French and Indian War was just part of a bigger war that was taking place in Europe called the Seven Years' War, which was almost like a world war for its time. What happened is, the French and the British both said that they owned a piece of land that went from the Appalachian Mountains to the Mississippi River, an area that they called Ohio. They wanted it for settlement to let colonists live there and to trade fur, so it was a really important piece of land. We've talked a lot about religious freedom and how important that was to the British colonies. And that was another reason that this piece of land was so important. The British colonists were worried that if France took control, that would put the Pope in charge because France was Catholic. And that would be a threat to religious freedom in America, where people were allowed to practice whatever religion they wanted. So Britain and France ended up going to war. It ended with the surrender of Montreal and all of Canada became surrendered to Britain. And Canada is still part of the British Empire today. Now that we've talked about the history, let's meet our expert guest for this week and get into Violet's questions. My name is Matthew Cagle. I am the curator of the Fort Ticonderoga Museum. Uh, And Fort Ticonderoga is an historic military fortification battlefield and and historic site in upstate New York on Lake Champlain. Uh, It was actually built by the French army during the French and Indian War and subsequently occupied by the French, the British, and the Americans over about a 25-year period spanning from the French and Indian War to the American Revolution. Wow. And today we are an historic site with a reconstruction of the fort that was built literally from the ruins of the original structure, as well as a museum that has over the past century that we have been open, we opened to the public in 1909, has collected one of the largest collections of military material culture from the 18th century in all of North America. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So what does a curator do? 
So a curator does a number of things. It is my job to basically, very most basic way, get to know what we have, to understand the history of our site and what happened here, um, and then to do research on the artifacts that we have here, whether it's uniforms or weaponry or documents, letters, journals, books, so that we can understand what those things tell us about the past and then bring those things to people through presentations, exhibits, and programs. That sounds like fun. It is great fun. And there's always new uh, adventures uh, in research as we discover new information about the people from the past and what they left behind in, in the form of all these artifacts. Yeah. Well, this is perfect since we're learning about the French and Indian War this week. And Violet had some great questions. Um, okay, so to start with the basics, although this might not be so basic with the French and Indian War, when did it start? So that's a that's a really good question, um, and it, it gets a bit into the complexities of this war, which is a little different in many ways than um, some other conflicts. But very basically, um, the French and Indian War is typically um, seen as, as having begun in 1754 um, in actually what is now Western Pennsylvania, a contingent from Virginia who claimed some of this land, um, went west under the command of, of actually George Washington, he was a very young man, mm -hmm. um, to demand the French, who had established a post at the forks of the Ohio River, um, remove themselves from that position. And the French believed that they had claimed to this land, and that uh, really brought about the, uh, the conflict between these two nations and their colonial claims in North America. And then on top of that, the various Native American nations who were caught up in the middle of this siding with either one colonial force or another throughout the conflict. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little bit complicated because although the conflict began here in um, North America in 1754, war was not actually officially declared between the British and the French until later. So there is an undeclared war being waged in America when the, uh, the French and the British are, are at war here that mm -hmm. did not yet spill over into conflict in Europe, but it eventually did. And so ultimately, uh, the war lasted in one form or another until 1763. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that goes pretty well into Violet's second question, which is, what was New France? Yeah, that's a great question because it's not something that exists anymore. Um, New France was France's colony in Canada, what is most of, of what we understand today as, as modern-day Canada. Uh, of course, the British had established colonies on the east coast of North America beginning in the early 17th century. Some people might be familiar with Jamestown that was established in mm -hmm. 1607, the first permanent English colony in what becomes the United States. Well, the French followed in 1608 with the establishment of Quebec City, uh, this the first and, and oldest French settlement in North America. And as those colonies expanded, 
um, they came into conflict. The French never had the population uh, that the British did, but their colonies clustered around the St. Lawrence River Valley, um, from Quebec City to, to Montreal, uh, and out into the Great Lakes was a corridor for them to develop their own French communities in those areas and engage also with Native American powers, um, both for the survival of the colony as well as to further um, trading, particularly in furs, uh, with Native Americans in the uh, the far west, um, what the French called the Pays d'Ono, or the upper country, the, the Great Lakes region. And the French, because of their connections with Native powers and use of waterways to funnel trade, um, claimed, at least nominally, uh, a broad expanse of the interior of the North American continent. Okay, so how did New France come into the French and Indian War? Well, it was it was those claims that the French made to waterways and water systems that they traversed along with uh, their Native American allies that brought them into conflict with the English. They established uh, a post, uh, as I mentioned, on the forks of the Ohio River. And that was an area that as English colonies were expanding westward, they felt was English territory, mm -hmm. of course. Neither okay. of them necessarily acknowledged previous claims to land from Native American powers who were, who were living on those spaces. Sure. But that conflict over the possession of, of parts of North America by one of these colonies really drove these um, these nations into conflict in 1754, and it, it spurred both the French and the English governments to send soldiers to North America to, to fight over these claims, uh, and Fort Ticonderoga was built in that context um, in the latter half of 1755, the second year of the war here in North America, as an outpost for the French to be able to launch attacks against the English south in, in New England and New York, uh, and also to protect the waterways that allowed people to get up to Canada to prevent the British from attacking uh, the Canadian homeland. Mm -hmm. So and in this war, um, Violet was wondering, so how many people died? How big was this war? Well, that's a, it's a really good question, and it's, it's a really hard question to answer, because the, the war, the French and Indian War that we know in North America, that, as I mentioned, spins out into a global conflict that ultimately brings in not just the French, the English, and Native American nations here in North America, um, but it ultimately gets uh, the Prussians, the Austrians, the Russians, the Spanish, the Portuguese, and others involved in a conflict that literally becomes a world war. So by the end of this conflict in 1763, there had been battles fought in North America, in the Caribbean, in Europe, uh, along the coast of Africa, as far away as India and even the Philippines. Oh my so goodness. It a pit, whether we're talking about North America or um, the, the broader conflict. And there are estimates that casualties in the global Seven Years' War um, may have been as high as 800,000 or even a million people. Wow. Now, it's hard to say because depending on the different nations that were involved, they may or may not have kept records of these kinds. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a little difficult to say, and it's also difficult to say when we include the, the number of civilians that were caught up in these conflicts, because of course, the war in whatever theater, whether it was North America or Europe or India, um, ultimately touched the lives of, of people. 
uh, who are not in the military, but who found their lives overrun in these campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were also effects of the war that reached back to people. So, for instance, um, in 1757, the French were able to secure the alliance of close to 2,000 Native American warriors who came here to Fort Ticonderoga. It was, it was known as Fort Carrion under the French. And those warriors decided that they would serve alongside the French for their own reasons, um, but they, they would uh, go to war with the French. And some of those people had come to Fort Carrion on Lake Champlain here in New York State from as far away as the modern Great Plains. This is wow. Iowa and the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. An incredible trip to have made. And after the conflict uh, was over, um, they ultimately realized that, that French and Native American uh, leaders had very different understandings about how these people would serve together. And many of the Native Americans left after they had attacked an English camp. And they brought back the, the goods, whether it was food, firearms, clothing, blankets, trade goods, even captive prisoners back to their communities with them. Well, one of the things they also brought back with them was disease. Um, they brought back smallpox. And so these are side effects of military campaigns that ultimately affected people as far away as the, the Great Plains who physically never went to the theater of war, but the effects of conflict and the effects of bringing all these different groups of people together for the war ultimately impacted them through population loss far, far away from the fields of battle. Right, wow. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to ask you about was the French and Indian War has kind of a different name than than a lot of conflicts. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you notice when you hear the French and Indian War, one might think to themselves, well, so the French were fighting the Indians. Right. Well, that's both true and untrue. Both the British and the French were able to secure allies amongst various different Native American nations, because even saying just Indians puts everything uh, into to one pot. In fact, there are many different nations, language groups, and cultures represented even within Indians uh, of North America. And you see right away, though, that by calling it the French and Indian War, that takes a very British perspective. Mm-hmm. They were fighting the French and the Indians, as they saw it. Um, the war goes by various different names uh, all over the world because it was such a large and complex war. It gets called different things in different places. So, for instance, in Europe, uh, it's not known as the French and Indian War, unless they're referring specifically to, to here in North America. But the great campaigns that took place in Europe are generally uh, discussed and described as the Seven Years War which acknowledges the length of the war from the official declarations of war in 1756 between the various powers up to the end of the conflict in 1763. But if you were to go to Canada, for instance, Mm -hmm. you might also hear it called something different entirely, because in Canada, especially in the province of Quebec, the the old French part of Canada, uh, they often call it la guerre de la conquête, which means the war of the conquest. Because in this war that the French colony of New France that we discussed was captured by the British and the French settlers in North America were then cut off from France, from the French language and culture, and were now an English colony. And they had to deal with that throughout the rest of their history. They still are a separate French-speaking province within the nation of Canada to this day. 
And that is because of the end of what we call the French and Indian War, what they call the War of the Conquest, that saw Britain conquer this former French colony. Interesting. I love how uh, language can be used to portray the exact same thing in so many different ways. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're going to be doing an episode about the power of language a little bit later in this series, how that was used throughout the revolution. Oh, yes. So. Yeah. Language is a very powerful thing, especially when you've got this many different cultures and languages involved. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so is there anything super cool about the French and Indian War? Any neat neat stories, anything we maybe would have missed that the kids would love to hear about? Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a lot of great stories that, that come out of yes, this. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I would merely say that um, Fort Ticonderoga here holds a unique place in that we were both French and British at various parts of the conflict. Um, but there was the question about how many people died here, and it's worth noting perhaps in this uh, instance that uh, Fort Ticonderoga has what is really the, the largest and, and really the bloodiest battlefield of that war uh, in all of North America. Uh, in fact, in 1758, the English launched an attack against the French fort here. And that English army consisted of about 16,000 men. And in 1758, that was the largest army that had ever been assembled on the continent of North America. Yeah. So this was a staggering force, and they were going up to attack the French. The French had just under 4,000 men. Oh my goodness. Outnumbered almost four to one. And they built a, a log breastwork to defend themselves in just two days' time that cut off this whole peninsula, blockaded the French troops behind it. Uh, and the English ultimately decided to attack those lines. Uh, and in the course of the afternoon of July 8th of 1758, the British, in attacking the French lines here, uh, suffered almost 2,000 casualties. There were just under 600 men killed on that day alone here at Ticonderoga. And it was a stinging defeat for the British military, mm -hmm. uh, a battle that, based on the numbers alone, they should have won. And, in fact, the casualties of that battle make it the bloodiest battle fought on this continent until the American Civil War in the 1860s. Oh my gosh. And would that have been a battle that George Washington fought in? George Washington himself was not. He was actually serving in Pennsylvania at the same okay. time. Um, however, in that battle were not only two, uh, two future commanders-in-chief of British forces in North America, <laughs> as well as a governor of Canada, but probably close to a dozen men who would go on to become generals in the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. And what's even more remarkable is that Ticonderoga is one of the very few places that was as critical during the American Revolution as it was during the French and Indian War. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when the American troops uh, decided to dig in and build new fortifications at Ticonderoga in 1776, shortly after independence had been declared, there was a brigade of Pennsylvania soldiers that was literally stationed in the exact same spot that the French troops had beaten the British almost 15 years before. And they knew that because when they were digging in to build their, their huts and to make fortifications, they were uncovering bones from soldiers who were killed in that battle in 1758. Wow. So they were surrounded by the memory of that, that engagement. And one of them, Anthony Wayne, 
from Pennsylvania who had not been in that battle but knew about it wrote to Benjamin Franklin and he says, if the British come back, if Burgoyne's British army uh, attacks these positions, they will meet the same fate that the British met those many years before mm. fighting the British from this spot. Wow. Wow, that is amazing. It well, is remarkable. Yeah. Okay, I think that is um, that certainly covers Violet's questions, and we got some some great other information for the kids today. Great. So thank you so much for joining us. This was really fun. It's a great pleasure. And thank you, Violet. Thank you, Miss Amelia. Bye. this was a fun episode. I really learned a lot. How about you? Let's talk a little bit about what we learned. So it's hard to say when the French and Indian Wars started because it started here in the American colonies in 1754, but war wasn't actually declared between France and Britain until they started fighting in Europe, which was several years later. Britain wasn't the only country that had colonies in North America. France did too, and that was called New France. So you might hear about that sometimes in history. And that doesn't exist anymore, but that's what that was. The French and Indian War was just one piece of a much, much bigger war that took place here in the American colonies, Europe, the Caribbean, Africa, India, even as far as the Philippines. So it's hard to say how many people died. It could have been around 800,000 to a million people, but it's hard to say because people didn't keep very good records, and sometimes non-soldiers, what we call civilians, also died, and they weren't really counted. It's also important to remember that the name, the French and Indian War, is kind of confusing. It doesn't mean that it was the French versus the Indians, or the French and Indians versus somebody else, because both the French and the British had Native American nations on their side helping them. And that's one of the reasons that this war goes by other names sometimes, too. Like in Europe, it's called the Seven Years' War. Or in Canada, it's called the War of the Conquest, because it's when the British conquered New France. Now, you might have heard one name that was awfully familiar to you this week, and that was George Washington. At this point in history, he was a young soldier who was just starting to make a name for himself. But you know that he's going to get pretty important And as we get further into these next few episodes, you're going to start hearing a lot of names that I bet you've heard before. It's getting pretty exciting. Well, thanks for joining me this week. I am so excited to be back and get into some of the reasons that the American colonies decided that it was time to become free from Great Britain. Remember that you can subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave reviews. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And you can also follow along on social media. We're at Growing Patriots on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We always love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Bye. America, land of the free. America, land of the free.